We've all resembled that remark, right, dads? Man, that was good. That's good. Well, Jared is about to be a dad, so he's going to have to figure all that out for sure. Man, I'm glad you're here this morning. For you dads, happy Father's Day. I pray it's a, it's a good day. We, we do recognize Father's Day is not always the same for, for people. And, uh, but today, I pray that you're encouraged and you're challenged. And uh, we want to do things a little bit different uh, today. Uh, I'll introduce Robert in just a moment, but let me kind of kind of set it up with this. Uh, you know, fatherlessness is literally epidemic in our in our country. Uh, over 33 percent, one in three children are going to grow up in a uh, where the father is absent. Now, that uh, could could be that like my situation, my dad died when I was really young, so I would be a one in three. But uh very few uh, are that kind of scenario. Most of them are dad checked out somewhere or or something. So one in three. Uh, literally, it's if this was a physical ailment in our country, it would be an epidemic. Um, it's then the statistics are there, but uh, poverty, uh, incarceration, teen pregnancy, drug and alcohol uh, abuse situations. Are, are increase exponentially when father is absent from the home. And uh, then one that is really a statistic that's really staggering is of teen suicides, 63% are, are, uh, of those teen suicides are from a home, a child from a home where dad was absent. This is, this is huge in our, in our country today. And, uh, and I'm so grateful for many of you that mentor and, and help out in that situation with, with many of these situations. But uh, this is Robert Hall. And let me kind of uh, bridge this before, Robert, before we do an interview today. Uh, Robert is definitely a godsend. When I was praying about Father's Day, I really started thinking about so many verses talk about the father to the fatherless and in these kind of things, how our Heavenly Father is a father to the fatherless, but sometimes that needs to be fleshed out. And uh, Robert is one of those that I automatically came to my mind, and I, I wanted to do an interview with him uh, this morning. Um, just to kind of give you a little bit of a highlight about ro- what Robert does, there's a ministry that has been established called Boys to Men of God and Daughters of the King. And uh, Robert had this vision on his heart, and he'll be sharing a little bit more about that. But, you know... Ever since Central came into existence in 1993 on this campus, uh, our neighbors right across the street, you always want to be close to your neighbors. You can minister to the world, but if you're not loving on your neighbors, then uh, you're not doing, I, I believe, what God's called you to do. And so there have been many times in the season where our neighbors have felt closer to us than we have. There's been some times, I think, where they kind of thought that fence out there ought, ought to be 90 foot tall because they did not feel welcomed, and that was our fault. And uh, there have been some seasons where we've been closer and, and uh, really praying. There have been times we've done uh, uh, kids' clubs over there and that kind of stuff. But Robert uh, really had this vision about being able to minister to kids, especially those whose dads were absent and uh, who many of them are. And he's been able to be a father to the fatherless. Um, and they meet nightly across the way here right in in this area uh, we've been able to connect with them in so many different ways so that gives you kind of a level of where we're going where the ministry is so would you welcome Robert Hall with me 
Thank you, Pastor Mark. Did a great job in the first service, <laughs> so it's all calm here. Uh, Lord, help us on this. Yeah, yeah. Robert, let me ask you this as we get started. How did you personally, give us a little history of how you came to faith in Christ. Well, when I was a young child, I had a uh, my grandmother and grandfather. My grandfather was a uh, Baptist preacher, and my grandmother played the piano and sang. And I just remember going to church all the time and just seeing the love of Jesus in them. And it just, it just resonated with my soul. I just loved it. And... Uh, um, you know, as I got older and got away from that, I realized the difference between, you know, what it's like to have God and what it's like not yeah. to. And, uh, yeah. so, uh, yeah. They're, they're you had just, a praying grandma. Prayed to grandma you. prayed for me every day. Thank God for grandma's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but in your house growing up though, kind of give that scenario. Well, uh, when I was five years old, uh, I got, uh, my dad got down on his knee and he looked me in the eye and he said, son, I'm leaving and I'm, I'm never coming back. And, uh, I just stood there crying as he drove away, like, what What does this mean? And uh, I'd have a stepfather. Uh, some abuse went on for a couple of years. Child Protective Services came and took me and my brothers and sisters and put us all in separate foster homes. So I lost my dad, then my mom, and my brothers and sisters. So, so I know what it's like to be one of these kids that might have to go through this. And, uh, you know, you feel just worthless. You feel... You know, and of course, when my stepdad was around, I felt like extreme fear every day. What was going to happen? You know, kind of as Christians without God, you know, you, you know, you just fear of what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so so you, so I learned at a young age. Uh, God became my father at a young age. Man, I I hate like everything you went through that. Yeah. Probably to be honest, part of that you going through that has probably God grabbed your heart about what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, through that. Yes, sir. Um, I joined the Navy at a young age, about 17 years old. On my birthday, I joined the Navy because I kind of had that rough childhood and didn't know what direction to go. And uh, I got honorable discharge, 21 years old, and moved around Rock, and I met my lovely wife, Sarah. Say yeah, hi. hey, Sarah. <laughs> Glad you're here. Man, she's awesome. So 28 years married. We have three children now. They're, they're growing. I love the Lord. Yeah. Um, uh, but... Somewhere along the line, you know, served in church when the children were little. So I had the kids' ministry background with the kids yeah. just serving. And then, you know, the men's groups. I've been to Africa twice. And that's when I started kind of really starting to see yeah. all the children in Africa that didn't have dads. They're everywhere. You can, they're just running around, you know. But on the second trip to Africa, I was like, God, where are all these children in America? Yeah. They're here. But where are they? You, you don't look around like Africa. And, and we just started praying and seeking and, and, uh, you know, we came up with the, you know, Friday night thing to kind of maybe get the grandmas and moms, who whoever's watching them, to right. have a night out and, and get the kids in. We love on them, tell them about Jesus, and, uh, you know, let them see what a little praise and worship is. And, yeah. And I uh, hope I answered that. Uh, yeah, no, there. no, that's great. <laughs> give us give us a picture of, uh, of when you got started. It was just a few kids coming and then group. Yeah, we started uh, in January of 2015. Um, I had my company from January 2005 to 2015, and so it was just kind of that's why I remember that. But yeah. so January 2015, we did an outreach at an apartment complex, and uh, five five boys showed up because we started off as boys of many God, and then three little girls walked up and said, "What about us?" And yeah, there you go. We're like daughters of the king. So. Sarah, you know, volunteers, yeah, yeah. women, kind of can be tend to the girls. So it was just God just uh, orchestrated each step beautifully. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, man, you meet, there's something going on every day. 
pretty much every single day. Kind of give them a picture yeah. of what that looks like. Well, the staple is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and a Saturday adventure. But we also uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are technically the same. Uh, they come in for a snack. They play together. <laughs> they uh, we have a hot meal. We have volunteers that provide a nice meal for them, and uh, we tell them a Bible story, or they watch like a Christian Broadcast Network uh, Bible Superbook video, and we do a little praise and worship on Fridays usually, and. Uh, because when they do transition to church, we want it to be real smooth. Yeah. Know? And then uh, we do ad- adventure every Saturday. And, uh, like, we go swimming. We go to the park. We do different things. And we have small groups cause, yeah. because in the big groups, it's hard to connect. Uh, it's easier in a small group. So we get a, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll sure. do those small groups. And and just just so uh, we get a picture of that, how, what's the, how many kids are we talking here? Well, typically during the week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, 20 to 40, depending on the day. And then Fridays can get up to 50 to 70 kids yeah. if we're doing outreach and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And then the small groups, we have a van that was donated and a bus, a bigger one. <laughs> but, yeah. But the van is used our small groups. It holds seven. So we and keep it that size. God's really favored you in a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of ways. You may be tired, though. I, I, see, uh, I see Robert's Facebook post, and I'm thinking, I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. I mean, it's it's incredible. But but uh, in fact, you got hey kids, all of you wave your hands over here. Uh, some of them came today, uh, this morning. Uh, in, in loving on these kids, what do you see as their greatest needs? Well, kind of going back to your question earlier to now, the, their greatest need is uh, basically discipleship, mentorship from, from men and, and women. You know, when they see a husband and wife operating together, uh, it's a beautiful thing because yeah. they get to see. How, how do they know if they don't know what it looks like, right? Yeah. So when they see a nice, healthy uh, relationships there, it really uh, gives them, you know, gives them yeah. a vision of what yeah. it should be like. And that's our that's our hope. Yeah. Is most of them dad absent or just partially involved? Or We actually have almost just as many mother absent as we do father. Absent, oh, really? Which is okay. which is pretty incredible. Yeah. And uh, and then and then we have some kids that are just lonely or sad. You know, we yeah. don't want them to hold them. You know, if they right. say, can we be a part of your program? So, of course, sure. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't turn a child away. And yeah. certainly not going yeah. not going to start. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, so what what is the vision for uh, Boys of Men of God and Daughters of the King? What's the big vision? The big vision is to have a community center here in Round Rock, Central Texas area, uh, that men and women of God can come and make it easy to to train up these children in the way they should go. You know, if they receive Christ by the time they're 13, their odds of uh, their families being saved is astronomical. So we are going after these kids before they're 13. That's why we're going after the young ones. Keep them on track. And uh, y'all have been wonderful, to, you know, being open up your doors on Wednesdays uh, for uh, Spark. And, not Spark, I'm sorry. I want us. I want us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, but it's just made a huge impact. Yeah. And so yeah. just to have a, a nice big yard they can play in, you know, guys yeah. coming out, grilling, talking with each other, fellowship. And just let them, let the children see that and yeah. see the love of God in the Christian community. And, you know, it'd be a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, uh, and you've seen some of them commit their life to Jesus. Yes, sir. In fact, I had three or four of them right behind me said, oh, I haven't. One of the girls said, I got baptized here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, and three go. of them said, I want to get baptized. So we got several of them that want to be baptized. Yeah. And uh, so thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. You shared a story about yeah. the one, one girl. Who... Yeah, we had one girl recently that uh, she, she started coming, and um, she was real quiet and meek and uh, just kind of just like this. <laughs> and... Uh, 
she came week after week. And after about three or four weeks, you know, I actually noticed her up praising Jesus, you know, because we do praise and worship on some nights. And she was just belting out, you know, and I said, do you, I mean, do you believe in God and Jesus now? And she says, yes. And when she started, she didn't. She didn't even know about God at all. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I talked to one of the female uh, leaders and I said, would you pray? Would you mind asking and talking to her? And so she prayed and led her to Christ. And uh, uh, about two days later, Child Protective Services, uh, police showed up at their house and they took her away. So we haven't seen her since. Yeah. But she, you're going to see her in glory one day. Yeah. Isn't that good news? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's just, you know, you just never know when you're going to see these. You know, a lot of the yeah. kids come through and they move away or, or you know, praise God, they get, you know, remarried and they have a, a father. But yeah. we're kind of like, we're kind of we, we've helping seen through that, that transition. We've seen that too. Oh, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Seen, seen pretty much everything. So yeah. it's really. Yeah. So uh, I know right. some people are involved in different ways, some financially involved. You've got a lot of hands on that yes, are sir. loving the kids as mentors and, and that kind of stuff. And we're supporting financially and just some other ways, but man, challenge us. What what can we do to help support you guys? Yeah, well, you know, volunteers are always nice. Um, you know, we we are right now we're restricted by the space that we're we're in. It's just a really small space, and we really need a bigger place that they can call home. A lot of these kids, you know, they live in really tiny apartments or they move around. They just don't, you know, it'd be nice for them to have like a second home, which is this kind of center we're talking about. So property center, you know, so that space is really our absolute number one goal. And, uh, yeah. but, uh, volunteers, it's, you know, we yeah. love volunteers too. And, yeah. Uh, and you feed them a meal every night and you love on them and, and yes, sir. Yeah, See, you made me tired, bro. But these kids I, can I'm, eat. <laughs> I'm so glad that God has, well, and we were talking about this earlier, uh, you know, passion. You know, you have a passion. God yeah. has has given you a passion and for that. And Sarah, thank you so much for because yes. she's did, my secret sauce. I mean, this is both of yeah, yeah. She does all the work, and yeah. I I just get off work and go play with the kids, and everybody's oh, Mr. Robert. Well, Sarah, yeah. Sarah's the one that does all the work, <laughs> and my son Luke. No, well, yeah, and Luke's uh, involved. Luke yeah. works at the Texas Baptist Children's Home. For some of you that know Luke from there. Yeah. Uh, Robert, I want to tell you thank you. Thank you for modeling to being a father to the fatherless. And I love you, my brother. I love and, you too. <laughs> uh, I, I, I support you and encourage you. And, and uh, I'm in your stand saying go for it and whatever we can do, make it happen. Okay. Well, well it means a lot. You're a father to the fatherless as well. And so well, ha- happy Father's Day. Hey, Mark. thank you. Bless you. And thank you, God. Happy Father's Day. Let me pray for you. Put a hand this way. Let me pray for Robert. Father, thank you so much for the passion and the burden that you've put on Robert's heart. I know it gets heavy sometimes. I know, Lord, but you're bearing fruit and uh, he's right in the middle of what you've called him to do. Father, I bless Sarah and I thank you for just an incredible team that they are together. God, I pray that you would continue to open doors. Lord, I pray for that space issue. Lord, I pray that... uh, you would provide there. And, uh, Lord, just thank you for the many open doors that have been there. And, uh, God, I just, I just bless Robert today. And, uh, God, I'm, I'm so grateful to you, Father, for a brother like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, man. Good idea. You get that to
And uh, after the service, I've just kind of asked Robert to hang around out out there because you may have uh, you may have uh, some questions, or you may want to support, or you want to uh, get involved in some some way. Uh, I, I do say Happy Father's Day to you uh, for you that are dads. You know, we as dads have it all together, don't we? Uh, we uh, we we just instill things in our kids and they make perfect choices their whole lives and and uh, that's the way it is there was one dad who uh he he had a son and he wanted to teach his son certain things that were going to stick with him and so he came up with this idea with his son an object lesson so what he did was he took a jar that was full of alcohol and he took a worm and put in there and kind of sealed it up put it off to the side he took another jar that was full of uh, uh, nicotine, cigarette smoke, and, and he put the worm in there and squeezed it, uh, screwed it tight, and put it over. And he took a third uh, jar and he filled it full of chocolate syrup, and he took the worm and put it in there, sealed it up, put it off to the side. Then he took a jar that had rich soil in it, put the worm in there, screwed it tight, and put it over there. And... Uh, he, they waited a little while, and he brought his son back, and he said, Son, I, I, I need to teach you something here. He said, The worm that was put in alcohol, what do you notice? He said, It's dead, Dad. I said, That's right. And he said, uh, The one that's in the nicotine and the smoke, it's dead, Dad. That's right. The one that's in the chocolate syrup, it's dead, Dad. That's right. The one that's in the soil, it's alive, Dad. I said, That's right. So, son, what did you learn from this? And he said, Dad, I learned that if I, if, I, if I drink and I smoke and I eat a lot of sweets, I won't have worms. That, so you never know, Dad, what they're getting from us. And so they're getting things. I, I'm going to be brief. Uh, I just, man, I really wanted you to hear from Robert and hear his heart. But I do want to challenge, especially men in the room, if you'll allow me just a, a few minutes to do that. And, uh, you know, for me as, as a dad, i got to be honest, uh, the word dad was never in my vocabulary. Uh, my dad died when I was 15 months old. He was dying when I was born. But the one thing my dad did is he made sure that we were going to church and we had a faith uh, foundation. I don't have much from my dad. In fact, there's hardly any pictures because he was in such bad shape when I was born of, of me and him. But the one thing I do have is, a, is his Bible. And you can tell a lot about the Bible of a person. He was 31 years old when he passed, and there's markings in here. At the front, he has the... I'm always convicted when I flip through here because he has in the leaflet, he has uh, the plan of salvation just available at hand so he can share with other people. He wasn't a minister. He was just a, a, a guy that, uh, like most, who was just trying to follow the Lord best he could and live out that faith. And so uh, that Bible is a cherished gift to me. I, when I, yeah, I kinda, you've kind of heard it before that says a marked Bible is a sign of a marked man. And we are, we are marked by God. And, and just the, the scriptures uh, show that to me about my dad. But uh, for me personally... Uh, yes, when you become a dad, then you kind of uh, learn about the fatherhood of God. And, and like Al said, you know, his father's passing. He learned more about the fatherhood uh, of God. For me, I, I tell you one thing that, that resonated. It's a picture that will always be in my mind. We were in Israel, and we were in Caesarea, which is right on the Mediterranean. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The, the ruins that are there, and, but just to be on the beach is incredible. 
we're walking along the beach, and uh, all of a sudden I hear this uh, little Israeli boy yelling, Abba, Abba, Abba. Now, we read in the Scripture that, that uh, God is our Abba Father, but that doesn't resonate until then resonated with me. This little boy is yelling, Abba, Abba, Abba. And, and what he was looking for, he was looking for his daddy. And his daddy was right around the, the area that, um, that he was. And, the, and they reunited right there. He just got lost for a minute from his dad and saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. And all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, he is our Heavenly Father. He is the patriarch, so to speak. He is the one that created all. He is the, the, the one who has put all in motion. But he is our Abba. He is our daddy. He is the one that loves us intimately, and he's waiting for us to say, Abba, Abba, Abba. And uh, for, for somebody who didn't grow up with a dad, that's taken me a little bit to learn, is that he is my Abba, he is my daddy, he is the one that I can come to. But I want to just introduce you to three men right quick. Uh, they're out of scriptures. And, and I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to turn even in the Bible for the sake of time, but I'm, I'm, I trust you don't think I'm a heretic. It's just... You can look it up. And, uh, but the first one, his, and this is to challenge you men. Ladies, don't be elbowing your husband. He will hear plenty. Give him a break today. But first guy I want to introduce you to is a guy named Uzziah. He was a king of Judah. King Uzziah was his name. And uh, many of you, have, if you into the scriptures at all, you may remember in Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet had this incredible throne room vision of heaven. And it's, the, the scriptures began in Isaiah 6 by, in the year that King Uzziah died. That, uh, that in other words, this is a big moment. But let me tell you about Uzziah. Uzziah was king of Judah, get this, for 52 years. You imagine we have a, a president for four and maybe another term of uh, for which you give it eight. You have eight years max for a president. Imagine you had a leader of your country for 52 years. That's amazing. Uzziah was a king of Judah for 52 years. And Uzziah was a, a, a good king who pursued God. He pursued the things of God. He tore down the altars uh, uh, of the false gods. He, uh, he was one that had much favor. He had an army. He had success on the military campaigns. He was really something. And, and he would have been considered a guy that, man, that is a godly guy. He's going for it. However, he came to a transition in his life. And many men, we come to transitions. It doesn't matter how old you are. But this particular transition happened to uh, uh, Uzziah. And in Second Chronicles 26, verse 16, it says this. Then he became strong. And when he became strong... He grew proud to his destruction. He became proud after he started looking at all the success that God had given. He became proud, which led to his destruction. What happened is he started making terrible decisions. He actually put himself in God, place of God. He went into the temple. He stepped beyond his bounds that he should have ever done. It says there was a strange fire. In other words, he took the incense that the priests used. He wasn't supposed to be doing that. He was confronted, and what God did is he allowed him to be contract leprosy. And the rest of his days, he, he had leprosy, and he was buried in shame outside because of the leprosy that he had. He came to a transition in life. 
He had been a man who pursued God and had the favor of God, but all of a sudden this pride came into his life, almost like he thought he did it himself, and he decided to take things into his own hands, and he died in shame. That's King Uzziah. Wow, Mark, that's uplifting. A hundred years later, there was a king by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh was a king that were, Uzziah was good at the beginning. Oh, Manasseh, he would be compared to the worst king ever of Judah when it came to adopting the pagan culture that he was in. It was terrible. He, he, he constructed these idols that, that people were to worship. He even had his sons burned to death in a sacrificial way for a pagan god. He was bad news. And he reigned for 57 years. Imagine putting up with that for so long. And that's the way Manasseh was. However, Manasseh came to a transition in his life. And what happened was, is that he was so bad, and the infrastructure was so weak in the country, that the Babylonians decided to come and take over. And what the scripture tells us in Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 12, it says, when he was in distress, he humbled himself. When he was in distress, he humbled himself. And what happened is, is after he humbled himself, God found a man he could use, and he ended up being buried in favor with the other kings. Two men in transition. Men, I want you to know, if you're, if you're taking any kind of notes, you will all go through transition times in life and how you're going to respond. There's even words that are transition words, and there's transition words here for you, you, Uzziah's life. He lived a particular way, and then it says transition came. Manasseh lived a particular way, and then transition came. Guys, you will go through transitions in life. How are you going to respond? Some of them come when you start having a family yourself. Some of them when you get out of the house. When do you become a man? That's the most confusing question in our whole culture today. But you come to these transitions, and when are you going to make? What kind of decision are you going to make? Are you going to be like Uzziah, a guy that was raised in a faith, grew up in the faith? And let me tell you, there are thousands upon thousands of these men who at one time said, God, I will follow you, but today they don't even have a faith thought in them. What happened to them to transition that way? I'll be bold enough to say, some of you men, if you do not transition quick correctly, will not be sitting in worship in the next five years. You've got to constantly be on guard. But some of you have the Manasseh story. You, your life was one of uh, reckless rebellion, and in your distress, you called upon God, and He saved you. I think there are many men, and, and ladies, I, 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 here, some of you have spouses that are still living in that Manassas area. Some of you grew up with dads that way. Some of you have sons and sons that are that way. Listen, do not give up on them. Do not give up on them. It says, in his distress... He called upon God. God has a way of making people uncomfortable enough so that they will call upon him. But I want to introduce you to a third guy right quick. He's in the New Testament. And his name is Barnabas. 
Now, Barnabas is first introduced to us in, in I think, Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, uh, uh, what happened is, is he's first introduced as a guy who sold a piece of property and gave all of that money to the, to the infant church that was birthing. And uh, he was known as a giver. In fact, his name is actually Joseph, but they called him Barnabas as a nickname, which means son of encouragement. He was an encourager. And uh, in Acts chapter 9, though, we kind of lose track of Joseph, Barnabas. And then in Acts chapter 9, there's a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus who has been given permission to go out and not only capture people that were Christians, but to kill them, have them killed. And uh, that's what he is doing till one day he's going down a road to Damascus. And as he's going down a road to Damascus, a blinding light just strikes him off his horse. He falls down blind. A voice comes from heaven that basically says, Saul, why, do you, why are you persecuting me? It was God speaking to him. Get up. I'm going to take you to a place and your life's going to be forever changed. Uh, you know, many of us have prayed for Damascus Road experiences. God just so show up that I can't doubt it. And it's going to change me forever. Well, that's what happened to Saul of Tarsus, eventually going to become known as Paul. So Saul has, has gone through this scenario. He's totally transformed. A guy named Ananias comes and prays over him. He, he's fully full of the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to go out and start preaching. So all of a sudden, you got a guy who weeks ago was, was taking people in to have them put to death. Now he's out preaching. That's confusing. And everybody is scared of him. All he's setting us up. He's just going out to win our favor. Now he's going to come against us. And then all of a sudden it says, it's a very small transition. It says, then Barnabas. What an incredible transition. People wouldn't trust Paul. They thought he's evil. But yet his heart had been changed. What's going to ever allow this man to become a man of God who's going to write most of the New Testament, whose Christianity spread to the whole world through his teaching? How is he going to get an ear if nobody stands in his corner? And it says, then Barnabas. Ah, people trusted Barnabas. He was willing to stick his neck out for Paul. And Paul's life transitioned fully to the man of God that he would become. Then Barnabas. We need to be Barnabas for people. Robert is Barnabas for so many. In their testimony someday, they're going to say, then Robert. Or then somebody else that you stepped up into their life. Then this happened. And dads, we have that opportunity. Then my dad. I screwed up royally. I did all of these things wrong. But my life wants to change. Then Barnabas. Guys, I want to encourage you with this. Life is a journey and not a sprint. It is a marathon at times. There's times you want to give up. There's times you want to go to the side of the road and say, God, I quit. It's not working out the way I thought. You're trying to handle it as a sprint instead of this long journey of a marathon that it is. And listen, guys, not only is it a marathon, but you will 
go through transition. Some of you need to transition right now because you're you're giving up. You're thinking this is the way I am. This is the way I'll always be. Someday I'll die or I'll retire and I'll be different. But no, listen, Robert had his own business. And God transitioned. Don't ever think that God doesn't want to transition you. I want to ask the worship team to come on up. And I want to challenge you with one other thing as they come. And it's this. Men especially listen to me. And you women, you understand this, but men, I want you to hear me. Your life impacts generations. It doesn't just impact you. It impacts generations. I think about my dad, who I never knew, but yet he made sure by faith that we were involved in church and the things of faith. It has now impacted generations. So some of you men, as you're sitting here today, you're wondering, what kind of difference can I make? You can make generational differences. Don't think just because your dad was a particular way or you were raised a particular way that you are absent from being able to affect generations. No, 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 no. You can affect generations. And so, men, I, I just want to challenge you your heart today. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit just begins... To, to speak to you and say, okay, you're at a point in life right now. And, and you think, well, I can wait till I'm an older man, or I can wait till my kids are grown, or I can wait. Listen, God wants to transition you right now. He wants to work in you right now. He wants to use you as a Barnabas right now in somebody's life. If you're willing to give Him the best you have, and it's you. I want you to stand with me if you would. I want to ask our elders and pastors, prayer teams just to come. Man, I want to challenge your heart. You know, I know we live in a day where, and I say it all the time, we are confused of what manhood is. If I got hair on my body, am I a man? If I go out and serve the military, am I now a man? If I can father a child, am I now a man? What makes me a man? Because we don't have too many rite of passages in our, in our culture today. And so we're confused. Women know exactly when they become a woman. And men are just floundering confused. I think a man, God has created you in such a way that he wants you to lead. But you're confused about leadership. Leadership is serving You become a man when you're willing to take responsibility as a man and to step up. And so today, man, I'm just going to challenge us. For some of us, it may God make that more clear to me. And you want to come to these steps as an altar, come to one of these prayer teams or or whatever. You maybe want to lead your family in in, uh, uh, Lord's Supper. I don't know. But we just want to bring it before him right now. So pray with me. Father, I just come before you humbly because, Lord, you know in my life it took me forever to learn what a man was. And, Lord, it was so confusing 
But yet you were Heavenly Father the whole time loving me. Lord, you've given us an incredible responsibility to represent you to our families. And so, Lord, I pray that today we not miss this opportunity. Yes, it's a day to celebrate dads. But it's always a day for us as dads to step up. I pray you'll challenge us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say say one last thing, and then I think I'll get down. Fatherhood has been a struggle. It's work. It's a lot of work. It doesn't always come out the way you plan, especially for your engineering types, man. It has got to be frustrating for you. But the one thing, one bit of wisdom that was given to me that I will always hang on to is when it comes to being a father, the one thing that I can control is, is I want to be the way that I am at 60 the way I would want my son and daughter to be at 60. Whether you're 35, you be a 35-year-old godly man so that your kids see that, so they will want to be that when they're 35. You know what I'm saying? We can't control everything, but this I can control. And so I want to be the man that I want my son and daughters to emulate when they are this age. That's the one thing I can do. So I challenge you men with that today. As you step up, as you step out right now, be bold. Be bold. All right? Let's worship.